Welcome to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Today's message will be brought to us by one of the men in our church that serve in the teaching ministry. So let's take our Bibles and prepare our hearts as one of the men in our church bring forth God's truth to us today. All right, 1 Samuel chapter 3. All right, all right. Sounds like most of us are there. Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 3, verse 10, And the Lord came and stood and called at other times Samuel, Samuel. Um, but here we are going to see kind of like what's going to be happening in the next verses. So 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 10, thank you for that. Um, verse 11, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth shall tingle. So here we got God before he was calling Samuel to speak to him. And now we're reading the passage where he's actually speaking to Samuel. Verse 12. In that day I will perform against Eli all the things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. Because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. Verse 14, And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And Samuel lay until morning. So Samuel gets this voice from God. He goes back to bed. And as you can imagine, I'm sure he didn't fall back asleep. And Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord. So he woke up. He did his duties, which was to open the doors of the, of the tabernacle, the temple. And Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you for all your wonderful blessings. Thank you for your word. I pray that you will show us some truths from your word here uh, this morning, Father. And I pray that you'll give me the words to say and calm my nerves and just help us to receive from you what you have for us this morning. I pray all these things in your holy, precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Today's lesson, today's message is going to be how Samuel learned to do the difficult thing. Samuel learned to do the difficult thing. You know, as we grow, as we mature, as we grow spiritually, even I think of children as they grow. And uh, yesterday at the work day, we had uh, lots of children here. And they were helping work. And they were learning how to work. And uh, some were doing better. Some were doing more playing than working. But as they grow, as we grow, as we develop, we hopefully start to learn how to do hard things. Right? Hopefully, as we grow, as we develop, we learn how to do difficult things. Uh, last week was Mother's Day, and I'm so thankful for all of our mothers. And I really felt bad because Sunday night during the testimony time, people were giving testimonies about their mothers, and everybody kept saying how they had the best mother and how their wife was the best mother. And I just felt so bad because everyone was just so wrong. And I was like, man, I feel so bad. Like, I have the best mom and my wife. I feel so bad. All these people are so deceived. So anyways, 
I, I didn't get a chance to say it last week, so it, I actually do have the best mother. I'm sorry to let you guys all know that. I have the best mother, and my wife is, is also the best mother, so I, I hate to break your feelings, but, um, but that's, just, that's just a fact. So anyways, during the testimony time last Sunday night, uh, Michaela gave a testimony, and it really resonated with me, and she said as she was growing up, and I will not, I'll never forget it, and she said as she was growing up, and her mom would ask her to do something, and she would say something to the effect that, Mom, this is just too hard. Her mom would tell her, Honey, you can do hard things. I love that. And so she said, I would tell her, and she would say, Honey, you can do things that are hard. And I was just thinking about that all week, especially as I was working on this message. And anyways, that's going to be kind of the thrust of this message. Thank you, Michaela, for that. And it's going to be, you can do hard things. And I just, I just kept thinking about that over and over again. And even this week, when my kids have said things, and I, 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 I actually specifically ask them to try to get them to say it's hard. I'm like, is this a hard thing for you to do? And they're like, yeah, this is hard. And I go, well, you can do hard things. I know you can. So you can do it. Good job. Um, just just uh, putting this into practice. So I'm going to start saying that regularly. They're not going to tell me things are, aren't uh, hard. They're not going to tell me things are hard anymore because they know what I'm going to say. But I remember when we were kids growing up, <clears throat> uh, thinking about us learning to do hard things. I remember when we were kids and we were growing up, we had this lady, and I don't even exactly know how we knew her, to be honest with you. I don't even think she went to our church. Maybe she did. But her name was Grandma Turk. You remember Grandma Turk? Her name was Grandma Turk. And uh, she lived in our area. She just lived uh, uh, just a, right down the road. I don't even know if it was like a block or so away. Grandma Turk. And uh, she wasn't our grandma, which was a really confusing thing for a child to figure out. You're, call this lady grandma, then eventually your parents are like, she's not actually your grandma. We're like, why do we call her grandma? But anyways, uh, so we called her Grandma Turk. That's what we called her, just nice, sweet old lady. And she was very gracious, and she let my dad plant a garden in her backyard, all right? And so my dad plants this garden in her backyard, and um, it was, I don't know how, it's by proxy of being my dad's children, but somehow Isaac... Justin and myself were, it was our job to weed the garden. Oh, oh weeding the garden. So he, he, they would send us over there. And I'm telling you, from my recollection, and I don't even know how old I was at the time, this garden was huge. Do you remember it being a big garden? I just remember this being a huge garden, like the size of this room. It might not have been that, but you know how when you're a kid and things seem so massive? And then when you get older and you go back, you're like, oh, well, that's not very big. It, this garden seemed absolutely huge. And he would send us there and, and we would have to weed this entire garden. I just remember looking down the rows and, you know, it's like it never ended. And we would have, and it was just, I remember thinking, this is literally the most impossible task that we have to do is to weed this garden. And so we would weed it day in, day out. And there we are working, weeding this garden. We didn't couldn't go play with our friends. This was like right next to the park and all our friends from the neighborhood would go to the park. There was this park in the area. They'd be playing football over there and they would be just be having fun and we're sitting here weeding this stupid garden. And um, finally, it comes to the point where the garden is actually producing what it was meant to produce. Now, I kid you not. I kid you not. I don't think 
there, there may have been more things than just this one thing planted in the garden, but this is the only thing I can remember. And I'm pretty positive this is the only thing we grew in this garden. Green beans. I don't, I don't even like green beans. And here we are, this massive garden, green beans. I, to this day, I'm still like, what were we going to do with so many green beans? Like, how often do you eat green beans? And then it was our job to go and then pick all the green beans. And here we are, picking these green beans. And I'm just thinking, I, it, this was hard. This was not fun. I did not like doing this. And I don't even like green beans. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, I like corn. I like tomatoes. I, like, I, I love tons of vegetables. I just don't like green beans. And I'll never forget, we had green beans absolutely everywhere. There was green beans in the freezer. There was green beans in the refrigerator. My dad would just be walking around just snapping green beans and eating green beans for, for snacks. We had green bean casserole. We had green beans before we went to bed. We were giving away green beans. It was just so many green beans. And to this day, I still don't like green beans. I blame the garden. But I remember that as we were going through that, um, I remember just learning a valuable lesson, and that was that we could do things that were hard. You know, it seemed impossible. When I say you were a kid and you looked at that garden and you had to pick all those green beans, it literally seemed impossible that we could possibly pick all of those green beans. But we learned that we could do things that were hard. Uh, we could do things that were difficult. And what my dad was asking us to do, it didn't seem like it could ever be, get done, but it did. And, uh, you know, the really sad part is, you know, uh, anyways, just I'm going to get off that. Green beans, love them. I still think of it to this day when I see all the green beans. I'm like, oh, no, green beans. Oh, flashbacks. PSP, P, uh, PTSD from green beans. Listen, in order to become what God wants us to be, we have to learn how to do difficult things. We have to learn how to do the right thing even when it's difficult. We have to learn how to do the right thing even when it's hard. Samuel had to make the decision to do the right thing even when it was hard. And this was a valuable lesson that God was teaching Samuel at this time as he was preparing him for the life that God had for him in the future, teaching Samuel how to do the right thing. How to, how to do the right thing. Even at such a young age, at this, in this passage, Samuel's only about 12 years old. 12 years old. And he's learning to do the right thing, even though it's hard. Let's dive into this passage and see what God has for us here this morning. Through this chapter, starting with verse 1, here in chapter 3, up to verse um, 10, in which we are now in the very... In verse 1, we see um, how, God, uh, how God is teaching Samuel, and Samuel's learning how to become a faithful child. In uh, the next uh, section that we uh, taught through a couple weeks ago, we see Samuel is learning how to listen to God. And uh, today we're going to learn how Samuel at this time, at such a young age, is learning how to do difficult things. Verse 10, let's see what this passage says. It says, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times Samuel, Samuel. So remember, Samuel was listening to God. God was calling him. He didn't realize it was God. Finally, Eli realizes, the priest realizes, hey, God's speaking to you next time. God calls you, answer God. Say, speak for thy servant hear it. So here he is. He hears it again, and he's answering. So now we have God 
is going to personally talk to Samuel. This is huge. God is personally, I mean, could you imagine that? God himself, I mean, God speaks to us, right, through his word. God speaks to us through preaching. Uh, God speaks to us in a variety of different ways. But, and I'm not saying God still doesn't to this day, because if God wants to speak to somebody verbally, God can speak to somebody verbally, okay? If God wants to verbally speak to you, God can verbally speak to you. God can do whatever he wants. But that's not typically the way God communicates with us these days. So could you imagine God? And even back then, this isn't typically the way God would communicate with people. We know he did it through the Old Testament, but we have records of that. God just didn't go around talking to everybody. So could you imagine the significance of God himself personally speaking to you? So that's what we have here. God's about to tell Samuel something. And listen, God's about to tell Samuel some difficult things. God's about to tell this this 12-year-old boy some really hard things to hear. Um, you know, when you find something out, when you know something, you're responsible for that knowledge. You are responsible before God for the knowledge that you have. Um, you know, I think of that verse, uh, to whom much is given, much shall be required. Um, so thankful for a pastor that teaches us good sound doctrine here. And I believe that members of Fellowship Baptist Church have more accountability before God than other people for the very sake that we have a pastor that teaches us God's word. And you just know a lot about the Bible. You know a lot about what God has to say. You know a lot about the truth. You are responsible for that. You know, um, you, I think of like a doctor. If a doctor, uh, you, you know, you get a scan and he's reading those charts um, and he knows something about your physical state, he has a responsibility to tell you that, right? That is his, he, you know something, you, it is your responsibility to tell us. Hey, we know the gospel, right? It is our responsibility to share that good news. Um, so here we have God is about to say something to Samuel. Just really quickly, what do you do with the knowledge that you have? How are you sharing that? How are you using that knowledge? God's about to tell Samuel some hard, difficult things. And here's Samuel, just 12 years old, has to learn what to do with the knowledge God is about to give him. Uh, verse 11, let's see what it says here. Verse 11, And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. So God's telling Samuel, I'm about to do something big. All right, I'm about to do something really big. It's going to be so big that the ears of everyone that hears it, hear it is going to tingle. I could just imagine, right? Like all the people of Israel are like, dude, did you hear about what? Are you kidding me? You know, like just no social media back then. It was all word of mouth, but uh, I'm sure it traveled uh, uh, just as fast. You know, people just talking. Yeah, did you hear about what happened? So God's like, I am going to do something that the ear of everyone which heareth it shall Tingle. Everyone's good. This is going to be the talk of the town, what I am about to do. Verse 12. In that day, I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. So he's about to speak something against Eli and his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. So what God is saying is he is about to bring judgment on Eli, the priest. He's about to bring judgment onto Eli's house. It's not going to be good. Like you said, the ear of everyone that hears it is going to tingle, not in a good way, not in a positive way. It's just like, wow, can you believe 
what has been done. This, and, and, and this is going to happen. When I begin, I will also make an end. God, this is set. This is going to happen. And it's from the, the, the words of God himself. Now, God had shown grace to Eli. God had given grace to Eli. He had given Eli a chance to, to do the hard thing, to do the right thing. But ultimately, his patience ran thin. And judgment was about to fall on Eli, the priest. Listen, God has grace with us. God has grace with you, with me. And we, first, I love the grace of God. I'm so thankful for the grace. Could you imagine where we would be without the grace of God? You know, could you imagine every time we sin, God's just like, bam, you know? None of us would be here today, that's for sure. But I'm so thankful for the grace of God that he has in our lives and his patience and his endurance with us. But when we're living in open rebellion, there comes a time when in God's love, he has to bring correction into our lives. And, you know, just thinking about this, where are you at? Are you living in rebellion to God? Are there things in your life that, that you know God has been asking you to stop? Things that God has been asking you to, to surrender over to him and you just can't do it? Thank the Lord for the grace of God. But there does come a time where that grace will, 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 will wax thin. Where because God is a loving God, judgment does have to come into our lives. Just like a parent. It is unloving, it is literally unloving for a parent not to bring correction into their children's life. It is. To train them, to develop them and prepare them for what they need to do. So in God's love, he has to bring correction into our lives. How much longer does God need to show grace to you before you will turn back to God? Verse 13, for I have told him, so here once again we have God talking to Samuel, talking about Eli. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth. So this is what's so significant about this, and, and maybe we'll touch on it a little bit later, but God is bringing judgment into Eli's life, not because of what Eli did, but because of what Eli did not do. He's not bringing judgment into his life because Eli was immoral, because he was deceitful, because he was um, greedy, because he was prideful. But why is God bringing this judgment into his life? Look what it says here. For the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. God gave Eli a chance. He gave Eli an opportunity to, to do the right thing, to do the difficult thing, to do the hard thing, uh, but he refused to do the right thing. And Eli knew exactly what his sons were doing. It wasn't, it wasn't like his children were doing all of these things. And, you know, so many times, I can't tell you how many times in, throughout our, my years working with students that parents find out all these things their kids were doing that they had no idea that they were doing. You know what I mean? And if you're a parent and you raise teenagers, you, you know what I'm talking about. This wasn't that. Eli knew exactly what his sons were involved in. He knew exactly what they were doing. 
And he was refusing to do anything about it. Listen, just like Samuel is about to be responsible for the knowledge that God has given him, Eli was held responsible for his knowledge. He knew what they were doing. He knew about his sons, and he didn't, he didn't, bring, he didn't punish them. He didn't bring correction. He didn't lead them back to the right way. And God says because he did not take the leadership in his house, and specifically even in the house of God, because his sons worked in the house of God, because, because Eli was not taking this leadership, God is going to hold Eli personally accountable for the actions of his son. Listen, leadership is no joke. Leadership comes with a lot of responsibility. As leaders, whatever area you're in leadership of, parent, at work, here at church, in our community, wherever you're in an area of leadership, you are accountable before God for your actions and the actions of those beneath you. This is it's a huge responsibility before God to be in an area of leadership. Verse 14, And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. I gave him a chance. I gave Eli a chance. It's too late. It's late. The time's done. The, the clocks ran out. I have no choice but to bring judgment into his life. So here Samuel gets this word from God, this verbal word from God comes to Samuel. And so he hears it. God is done. And uh, Samuel goes back to bed. So Samuel hears it. And Samuel does not want to tell Eli what he just heard. He does not want to... He does not want to communicate this to Eli. Look what it says. And Samuel lay until morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Why was Samuel so afraid to tell Eli what God had said? Why was Samuel so afraid to do this? I think, you know, I just thinking about Eli. First off, he's a 12-year-old kid, right? He's a 12-year-old child. Think about what he has to do at this time. First off, any of you that are teenagers or were teenagers, you know, teenagers, first off, they already struggle with insecurities, right? So imagine the insecurities he's already struggling with. Then think about what he has to say. I'm sure Eli was like a father to him, right? I'm sure Eli was literally like a father to him. Um, he, doesn't want, he doesn't want to tell Eli, this man, this mentor, this godly figure in his life, he doesn't want to tell him that God is about to bring judgment into his life because of his lack of of um, uh, correction that he didn't, that the things that he did not do. He doesn't want to tell Eli this. Are you kidding me? He doesn't want to hurt Eli. He doesn't want to, he doesn't want to disappoint Eli, bring disappointment into his life. Imagine how awkward and uncomfortable it had to be for this child to have to tell this older mentor, God's going to bring judgment into your life. Just imagine how difficult that would be for a child to have to do that. You know, I think one of the challenges of growing up is learning that those people you looked up to are sinful and wicked and have problems. Isn't that difficult? That's a hard thing about growing up, is realizing that people you might have idolized, people that you might have had the most respect for, even as a child growing up and learning that your parents are messed up. And they have sin issues. And they need help. They need the grace of God just like you do. Samuel having to deal and to navigate with all this. So Eli 
comes to Samuel. He's excited. God just spoke to Samuel. I can't wait to see what God has to say. And here Samuel has to tell Eli. Could Samuel have lied? Could he have maybe told a little white lie? Like, what, what, did, what did God say? You know, Samuel comes to, what did God say? You've got to tell me. Ah, it's nothing. <laughs> no big deal. You know, could he have dodged it? How many times do we dodge difficult things? How many times do we dodge a difficult conversation or a difficult thing that we have to do and we just would, would like to uh, metaphorically pick up the carpet and just kind of brush it underneath it just so we don't have to deal with it? He could have been, you know, it's nothing. Or, you know, well, Eli, what God said was doing a great job. You know, keep up the good work, you know. Samuel could have, uh, he could have done that and nobody would have known, right? Nobody knew what God said to Samuel, but, but God knew. Samuel knew. And Samuel had to make the decision to maintain integrity and to maintain his character rather than to be dishonest. So Samuel did the hard thing, and he told Eli the truth. Verse 18, And Samuel told him every wit and hid nothing from him and said, and, uh, and he said, It is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth good. So you know what Samuel had to say? Samuel, this is what Samuel had to say. No matter what happens, i got to tell the truth. It's going to potentially destroy our relationship. Can you imagine how awkward the relationship between them was now? A potential of, I don't know, but maybe being kicked out of the temple. We know passages in the Old Testament where, where somebody said what God had said to them and shared that. And instead of the people receiving it, they punished the, the messenger, right? Like, how dare you tell me that? It's like, I'm not telling you. God's telling you. You know, even if it hurts, I'm going to tell Eli the truth. Even if it hurts our relationship, even if things are never the same again, I must tell the truth to Eli. Even if I don't want to, I will tell the truth. Think about the contrast we have in this passage between doing the hard thing. Here we have Samuel, 12 years old, making the decision to do the difficult thing. And over here we have Eli, an old man who I guarantee you had a deep knowledge of the scriptures, right? Priest spent his time day in and day out serving God, choosing not to do the difficult thing, choosing to avoid dealing with his sons, the, the immorality, the wickedness that they were involved in. Here we have Eli choosing not to do it, and here we have Samuel making the decision to do the difficult thing. Doesn't it seem like those things should be in reverse? Doesn't it seem like Samuel should be the one as a young man learning how to do the difficult thing and this old giant, you know, he's just kind of figured this out by now. You know, I'm sure Eli, the priest, I'm sure he'd run well. Think about all the good things that I'm sure he had done over his life. All the messages that he had, all the times he had communicated God's word. All of those things. But no matter how old we get, there's always a potential that Satan can still take us out. You know, we cannot, we cannot depend on our successes of the past. We cannot depend on those times of faith in the past. No matter who you are and where you are, there's always a potential where Satan can take you out. And like we said, it wasn't immorality that took Eli out. It wasn't uh, greed, pride, 
any of these common things, what was it? It was the fact that he chose not to do the hard thing. He chose not to do the challenging thing, which was for him dealing with his family issues, dealing with his family problems. And Eli choosing not to do the difficult thing, we see the devastating consequences that God brought into his life. And you see even more as you go on uh, uh, in the upcoming chapters. But, but here's what I want to ask you. Have you ever had to make the choice to do the difficult thing? Have you ever had to make a choice to do the hard thing? Maybe sometimes it's not even necessarily wrong, wrong. You know what I'm saying? But it's unethical. It's, you're like, I can't say this is sin, but I know I shouldn't do it. Um, I have good news for you. You can do hard things, right? You can do things that are hard. Here's what's amazing is that we don't have to do things alone. God is with us. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. Not be strong in yourself. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. If you know God, if you know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior, and Jesus Christ is what we call, the Bible says, living on the inside of you, once you accept the gospel and you know Jesus Christ, he literally comes and indwells you. You have the power of God with you to help you do hard things, to help you do the right thing. Man, I have, we're only halfway through the message. Don't worry, I'm not going to preach the rest of it. I just want to skim through it really quick. But just think about what are some times that we have to do hard things? Sometimes we have to do the difficult thing at work, right? Sometimes we have to do the challenging thing at work. I was talking to somebody recently and they were sharing with me how they were going through a situation. And right now, no matter what industry you're part of, materials are short, right? No matter what, the building industry, the car industry, um, I know I was talking to Daniel Counterman, and, and they're having trouble at their, uh, they make siding. And um, I, I, got, I got a bike. Um, it needed some work done on it. Uh, I bought it used off Facebook, so I took it in, and they, they did it. And the guy at the bike shop was telling me how they can't even get bikes or tires, and they're just short on materials. So everybody right now is short on materials because of COVID and people not wanting to go back to work, and that's a rabbit hole we're not going to jump down. But... Um, this person was telling me how they were getting uh, a quote for some type of material, and this one person quoted them, and they decided, okay, let's go ahead, let's put the order through. And then a couple days later, another quote came through for about $3,000 less on the same material. And they were just talking about that internal struggle that they were having, saying, oh, like I didn't, I didn't sign any papers saying, I just told the guy, okay, let's go with it. So, I mean... I'm not legally bound to it. Uh, man, $3,000. That's not a, that's not, you know, that's a, that's a chunk of change for, for anybody. And he was telling me how he was just struggling with that. And he just, you know, there's, there's always that temptation to be like, oh, and then God's just like, yeah, no, that's not, you know. And he just said, he just knew it wasn't the right thing. It's like, I can't. I, I gave my word. I can't go back on my word. And uh, ultimately what happened is that the other place that was $3,000 cheaper actually ended up leaving off a bunch of materials that they forgot to quote and the price came through the same anyways. And uh, thank the Lord, right? Oh, I'm so glad God gave that little test and passed it. But how many times do things like that happen at work? You know, 
or there's that little opportunity to do things that might just not be totally ethical. But we always got to do the hard thing. Keeping your word sometimes can be a hard thing. It can be a challenging thing. Being a person of integrity can sometimes be a hard thing. But I got good news for you. You can do hard things. Amen? You can do hard things. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Hey, sometimes we have to do the hard thing at home. Teenagers, and I remember being a teenager very, very clearly, obeying your parents can be hard. Obeying and doing what your parents say can be difficult. It can be challenging. Obeying your parents when you don't really understand why they're asking you to do something can be hard. And it can be challenging. Respecting your parents can sometimes be hard and be challenging. As parents, training your children can be hard. Spending time discipling your children can be difficult. Taking that time. And you know, as you get older, and I'm not even that old, almost 35 now, but time just clicks by so fast. It's like, you've got to be kidding me. I feel like I'm in a warp tunnel and time just keeps flying past. And it's hard when you've got so much to do to sit down with your children and to disciple them and to mentor them. That can be hard. That can be difficult. Holding your kids responsible for their actions, that's what Eli failed to do, can be hard. Giving up stuff that we want for stuff that our families need. Giving up things that we want to do to supply things that our kids need. All these things can be challenging. But the good news is, is you can do hard things. Amen? You can do hard things through the power of God. Very quickly, you know, sometimes we have to do difficult things here at church. I'm so thankful yesterday we had the work day and, you know, sometimes you have to do hard things. And I'm telling you, sacrificing your Saturday morning till 12 is a hard thing. Everybody's busy. You've been working all week. And there was a group of men that came out yesterday and said, we are choosing to sacrifice our Saturday morning. I'm not guilt tripping or saying that's not, not it at all. They did it willingly through the joy of the Lord. And I'm so thankful that they chose to sacrifice their Saturday morning. Hey, it's hard to get to church early to sing in choir, right? It's difficult. It's not fun. We would rather take a Sunday afternoon nap. But those choir members choose to do difficult things. The workers in Vacation Bible School, some people give sacrificially. It's a difficult thing. Um, I think about my youth leaders. I love my youth leaders so much. And this year, our student ministry uh, guys are uh, teaching in our class. And they're each taking one month to teach four lessons, except Thad. Uh, he has taken about two months to preach four lessons. Not his fault. Uh, we've kept having things broken up in between that. Um, but it's not easy for my youth leaders to teach Sunday school. You know, it's not easy for them to, to especially when they haven't really done it a lot. It's not easy. But I'm so thankful for my youth leaders that are willing to do hard things, willing to do challenging things, challenging themselves to get up in front of people, challenging themselves spiritually and diving into God's word and understanding. For our Sunday school teachers, Ben, great lesson this morning, choosing to take time to, to teach God's word. And we could talk about so many things. But you can do hard things. You can do challenging things 
Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Last thing, I want you to just think about this. Um, Sometimes we have to do difficult things as Christians. Sometimes being a Christian is not easy, right? Sometimes being a Christian is difficult, especially out in the world where, where making a compromise for other people might be nothing. Hey, it's just what people do, but you know others may, I may not. Um, other, you know, everybody might go out to the bar partying afterwards and you say, I, I just can't, I can't put myself in that position. Everybody's like, oh, you old fuddy-duddy. You know, and, and just having to have that ridicule of the world on you day in and day out. So many challenging industries. Um, no matter where, you at, where you're at, and even culturally, it's unpopular to hold biblical convictions in this culture. It is. Holding biblical, saying, being followers of Jesus it means that we hold to the Bible's foundation of truth. That's what that means. We say, what the Bible says, that's, that's what I line up with. If the Bible says it, that's, that's, that's where I'm at on, on, the, on the issue. It's just kind of where I fall as a Christian. I, I choose to believe what the Bible has to say. And that makes us unpopular in this culture. And, and um, you know, and that's one of the things. It's like the world treats us like we're these big jerks. And it's like, look, I'm not, I'm not being a jerk at all. I'm just saying this is what the Bible says. This is what God says. And, I mean, who am I to say God is wrong? It's literally God, right? So that's what we do as Christians. We say this is what God said. We have no choice but to agree with God. I mean, how could, we, how could we take the arrogance to say we have the right to correct God? That's what we do as Christians. This is what the Bible says. I simply am agreeing and proclaiming to you what God says. But it makes us awful and popular in this culture. I'm not saying sexual immorality is wrong. God says that. And I agree with what God says. That's, that's all I do. We are messengers of God. I'm not saying being deceitful, cheating... I'm not saying that's wrong. God says that's wrong. And I'm telling you this is what God says. And when I do it, it's wrong because I am going against what God says. It can be difficult to hold a biblical worldview. And you know, there's so many people, there are people out there that hate the Bible. They hate God's word. And so, as the Bible has this passage where it says, and so were some of you, Right? You know what? There's times where I don't like what the Bible says either. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, I wish the Bible didn't say this because, oh, I really want to do such and such. It is what it is. It's what the Bible says. So when people get frustrated, I'm like, I agree with you, man. I'm right with you. It is difficult. Following the Bible is hard. It's challenging. But it is the Word of God. It is what I agree with. I agree with God's standard which is the Bible. Many will mock, many will ridicule those that hold biblical beliefs. But I got good news for you. You can do hard things. Amen. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. You know, you are not afforded the power of God if you don't know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior. You're not. And uh, maybe the reason that you have all these channels. I mean, the, the, you have to ask, you have to grapple with the question, do I know God as my own personal Savior? 
Do I know him? Have I surrendered my life over to God? Do you know the bad news that you are a sinner for all of sin to come short of the glory of God? That because of sin, there is a punishment. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The consequence for our sin is death and hell. But the good news is that God is on a rescue plan to save sinners through the person of Jesus Christ. But God commandeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. One thing I love about this verse is it tells us God loves sinners, which means God loves everybody. <laughs> Isn't that a great way? We're all sinners, which means God loves everybody. <clears throat> and God sent Jesus Christ down to earth, and Jesus lived a perfect life. He did what we could not do. And after living a sinless, perfect life, he went to the cross and died on the cross for our sins, uh, fulfilling and, and satisfying God's judgment. And when Jesus was dying on the cross for our sins, God did a miracle. He took the sin of the world and placed it onto Jesus Christ. Jesus took the sin of the world and the punishment into himself. And then he died. And three days later, he rose from the dead, proving that he was who he said he was and that he could do what he claimed he came to do, which was to forgive our sins and to heal our broken lives. And if you repent of your sins, repent means to turn away and reject your old life, and you turn to following after Jesus Christ, the Bible says you can also be saved. I want you to ask yourself, as we wrap this up, are there hard things that you've been unwilling to do in your life? What are the hard things that God's been asking you to do? Maybe it's talking to somebody. Maybe there's just somebody that you know that you've been needing to talk to. For Eli, it was his boys. And he just, I can, I can understand. When you get older, you're just tired of fighting the battles, right? You've been fighting battles your whole life. You're just tired, so tired, just done. I'm not saying that's what Eli felt, but I can imagine it's what he felt. It doesn't tell us why he didn't deal with it. But maybe he was just done with these battles. Like, I'm just an old man now. I just want to serve God. Are there things that you're not doing that God is calling you to do? Maybe there's someone you need to talk to. You say, I can't talk to that person. Maybe God's asking you to go somewhere, give something, do something in your personal life. I don't know what it is. But for, for you, what's that hard thing that God is asking you to do? What is that challenging thing that he is asking you to do? For Samuel, it was having to talk to Eli share all of these difficult things with Eli. You can imagine the internal struggle he had. Because he was, it literally says he was afraid to do it. What are you afraid to do? No matter what it is, the good news is, is you can do hard things. And I want you to just imagine, in your life, the blessing God has brought into your life from the hard things you've had to do. I think it was John Maxwell that had a quote, and he said, anything worth having is uphill. <laughs> anything worth having is uphill. He said the problem is, is a lot of people have uphill dreams and downhill habits and downhill character. We want everything that's up on top of the hill, but everything in our life is dragging us back down the hill. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of of his might.
you know Jesus Christ as your own personal Savior and God is living on the inside of you, He is there to give you the power to do hard things. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.